So it's been a long week for me, but I am glad to be here in God's house, uh, seeking and worshiping the one true God with you guys. A couple of weeks ago, I found myself listening to the Gospel of John over and over and over. When I was at work, I would plug in my phone to the speakers in my van, and I would go through the first six chapters of John over and over. I'm not sure if it was because God was leading me or OCD was kicking in. (laughs) But today, I will be talking about belief. And since almost all of the material came from John, I titled the discussion, Belief According to John. The Gospel of John, I think, is one of the most read Gospels. The reason I say this is I've heard several times people recommending to those reading the Bible for the first time to start with John. Also at sporting events, people paint John 3.16 on their chest. And I'm not sure in all cases that that makes people want to read it more or read it less. I think they could go bigger if they're going to take all that time to paint their chest, maybe read the whole book of John or the whole Bible if you're going that far. But that's, that's just what I think. But anyway... For uh, many years ago, uh, my family, with a few other homeschooling families, took a tour to Bearing Precious Seeds. This is a place that sends out free Bibles all over the world, translated in their own language. In some places, they haven't translated the whole New Testament. So they send a translation of two books of the Bible. What two books do you think they chose? John and Romans. John and Romans. I think that is a really bad place to start for first-time readers. Not quite as bad as Revelation, though. That would probably be a little bit worse. (laughs) Both of those books are very complex. The Gospel of John uses most metaphors in all the Gospels. But um, it is a great book for those who understand the other Gospels. And it also really helps to know the Old uh, Testament prophecies. One of the best parts of John is all the conversations of Jesus that are packed with massive amounts of theology theology to chew on. Most importantly to this discussion, the Gospel of John focuses on the belief in Jesus. And I really want to dive into what Jesus says about believing in him in the Gospel of John. This is one thing pretty much every denomination of church agrees on, is that the religion of Christianity is based on the belief in Jesus. Though, Christians don't all agree on how that belief is defined. I am going to try my hardest to let Jesus define what that belief is. So what, I want, so what does Jesus want the world to believe? I don't think there is a better place to start than John 3.16. I guess that painting on the chest must have worked for me. So please find John 3.16 if you need it, and then stand for the reading of God's Word. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall never perish but have eternal life. You may be seated. Now usually... This is read, and unanimously, everyone says that this verse has to do with Jesus' death and forgiveness of sins. In fact, if you read all of John 3, 
Do you see that context anywhere? Well, maybe there is a comparison when Jesus talks about being lifted like the serpent in the days of Moses, but it's really not clear what Jesus means in that comparison. But before rumor gets started, the death and resurrection are important, and that's explained in other parts of John um, and in other parts of the Bible. And I'll get to that later. Now remember, Jesus taught faith before he revealed the death and resurrection. My goal is not to discredit the belief in the death of Jesus. My goal is for us to have a thorough understanding of the belief in Jesus. And that understanding to match what Jesus taught to the first century Jews and was passed down to the Gentiles. So what does it mean? Remember, it said God so loved the world that he gave, which is past tense. And giving your son could mean a lot of things. It doesn't necessarily have to mean dying. So let's look in a little deeper. There are two things in John 3 that Jesus tells us to believe, and maybe even a third one. In John 3.18, we get context that helps us understand to what to believe about John 3.16. So let's go down a couple verses to John 3.18. It says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This brings us to our first point. What does God or what does Jesus want us to believe? Number one, believing in the name of Jesus being God's Son. Remember, the audience is Jewish, so we have to think like an Israelite. When we think of the Son of God, what first should come to our mind? Well, think about how Nathaniel reacted when he discovered who Jesus was. He said in John 1, 49, Then did then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. The name of Jesus are many, but there is a central theme described in most of them. Messiah, Christ, Son of Man, Son of God, are referring to Jesus being King and having authority. Let's look at a few passages the audience of, the, of Jesus would have known. And would have referred to him being a king. First Chronicles 17, 11 and 15. When your days are over and you go to be with your ancestors, I will raise up for you an offspring to succeed you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. I will never take my love away from him as I took it away from your predecessors. I will set him over my house in my kingdom forever. His throne will be established forever. Right now, a light bulb should be coming on. Whose throne's established forever? Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. Notice the father son relationship here in 1 Chronicles 17. Now it has been revealed that the house or the temple are the bodies of the 
people that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in. As Paul says, the mystery was Christ in us. He also says our bodies are the temple. When Jesus says he is the Son of God, he is saying, I am the king that will be king forever. When we call Jesus the Christ or Messiah, it means the same thing. Jesus also calls himself the Son of Man. This means basically the same thing as the Son of God or Messiah, even though it does not sound like it. Now, Jesus does explain his special relationship with his Father and how he acts just like his Father, and that message is also conveying. But when you say in the name, you are talking about the power and the authority of the Son of God. Have you ever heard Jesus call himself the Son of Man? Immediately, there should be a question that pops in your head. Wait a minute. Isn't he the only one talking who isn't a son of man? He was born from a virgin, so he doesn't have an earthly father. Why is he called the son of man? Well, we find this answer in Daniel 7, 13, and 14. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, and he was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and all people over every language worshipped him. Isn't that amazing here this many years later? All nations are worshipping him. I mean, who could have predicted that? unless you are God. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Jesus calls himself the Son of Man because his audience knew that that means he is the king from Daniel 7. Because in the vision, it says it looked like a Son of Man. Believers would be acknowledging something really dangerous at that time. They would acknowledge that Jesus has dominion over Caesar and any other king. They would be acknowledging that the Pharisees need to submit to this king because this king is special. He has to rule over the nations and over all of God's household. Could you imagine what kind of faith that would take? So if you confess Jesus as king, then you might not have been able to worship in the temple. Or you could even be killed. What does his authority mean to Christians today? It means that we don't do what we want. In Luke 6.46, it says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? We can't call Jesus Lord or Master or king, or Messiah, or son of man, or son of God, if we have no intentions of doing what he tells us to do. Jesus is the king of kings, but he isn't our king if we don't do what he says. What does Jesus want us to believe? Number two, the words of Jesus. We find this in John 3.12. I have spoken to you earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? So what are the heavenly things that Jesus spoke that we should believe? 
Well, let's look at our first clue. Let's go to John 5, 45. And this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. And he says, But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Our clue is Moses wrote something about believing what Jesus would say, and this would accuse the Pharisees. So let's go to the second clue. Deuteronomy 18, 17 through 19. The Lord said to me, what they say is good. I will raise up for you a prophet like you. Talking about Moses. From among their fellow Israelites, I will put the words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I commanded him. I myself will call account to anyone who does not listen to the words of words that that prophet speaks in my name. There's in my name. This is the prophet speaks by the authority of God the Father. So Moses said, God will hold anyone accountable who doesn't listen to the words of the prophet. So the first question we should ask, is Jesus that prophet of Deuteronomy 18? Yes. Peter quotes this verse in Acts referring to Jesus, talking about Deuteronomy 18. Stephen also, the martyr, quotes this verse, referring to Jesus. And even the Samaritan that was sleeping around knew the Messiah was going to give instructions. So if they all knew, I would say the Pharisees who studied the law probably knew exactly what Jesus was saying in Deuteronomy 18. And in there, Deuteronomy 18, Moses explains this prophet is going to be like him. Just like Moses gave the law, everyone knew Jesus was going to give instructions. So which words do, did Jesus get from the Father to say? We find this in John 12, 49. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. So all that Jesus speaks comes from the Father. All Jesus' words are to be believed. We have to accept all that Jesus tells us. We accept that he took up the cross for us. And then we also accept when he tells us to take up our cross. It's all the insights or commands are to be believed in. Back in the day of Jesus, his words were not written down. So let's look at how they learned from Jesus and what Jesus taught about hearing his words. So let's look in John 6. But before we do, let me give you some background. Jesus fed 5,000 men with five small loaves of bread and two fish. Miraculously, well, I said that right, they were so full they had leftovers. Then Jesus withdrew from the people. Some of the people went searching for Jesus. I'm not sure if the bread tastes like Texas Roadhouse or what, but they chased him down. And this is what Jesus said to them in John 6, 26 or 29. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils 
but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So let's pause here and think this through. Jesus said faith is a work. What work is Jesus talking about? What kind of work did the people do in hopes to get the bread and the fish? In verse 24, it says, they realized Jesus left and they got in their boats and searched for Jesus. I'm just imagining everyone getting in their boats at the same time, maybe like a a boat traffic jam. Hopefully there was no water rage. They didn't have motors, so they were all rowing. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but I'm betting it was harder to find Jesus than we realized. And then I ask myself and I ask you guys, are you working to hear Jesus speak? How far would you row your boat to hear Jesus speak? Would you row through a storm to hear Jesus speak? I'm not going to ask any more questions because I'm sounding like Dr. Seuss. (laughs) You won't hear me say just spend 15 minutes praying and reading the Bible a day. I want you to ask God to make you hungry for the word if you aren't already. So hungry that you will say, Where did the time go? But we don't have to work like they did to hear Jesus. We can get on a Bible app and hear Jesus almost any time we want. What do our hearts desire? Why aren't we hungry? Most of the time it's because we are full. And can I be honest? Sometimes I get hungry to do or be lazy or watch stupid things on YouTube, or play video games, and I hadn't spent nearly enough time reading and praying and praising. And when I do that, my spirit gets malnourished. When we were kids in the 80s, we weren't allowed to eat our dessert before our meal. I don't know if they still do this now. But this was to make sure we had enough nutrition before we got full. Maybe we should be filling up on the Word before we do other things. I have prayed many times to be hungry for the Word, and God has always answered that prayer for me. Jesus spoke further on this subject in John 6, 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus has an unending supply of spiritual food. But he said, you have to come and get it. You have to search it out. He didn't say, live your life and you will be fed. He said, come and get it. I have plenty. Jesus goes on to say in John 6, 63, the spirit gives life and the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. If our lives aren't full of spirit and life, maybe his words aren't the central focus of our lives. Are you having trouble understanding or accepting some of the hard things? Ask Ask 
and pray to the Father to enable you to understand. Jesus talks about that in John 6, 65. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. I would not be loving toward you if I didn't give you the warning regarding what Jesus says about denying his words. In John 12, 47 through 50, it reads, If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that this command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. And then also he goes on in John 8.51. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. I want to warn you because a vast majority of teachers you will hear on the radio or on TV or on YouTube or other mainstream outlets will try to say things and make this verse to no effect. Jesus made it very plain for us. If we don't believe and obey in his words, we will be condemned in the last days. Often we hear a message that people gives us specific teachings that we should believe in. For example, all you have to do is believe Jesus died for your sins and rose again from the grave. But John makes it clear anyone who obeys everything Jesus says will never see death. The words of Jesus are life and spirit. It shouldn't be like, ah, I guess I have to obey or I'm going to die. It should be more like, wow, we get to hear from God's one and only son. This man actually was in heaven and came down and actually taught us heavenly things, life-giving things. This man was also divine, filled with the fullness of God. He was giving the Spirit of God without measure. Where is the excitement on these very valuable words that were given to the world through Jesus? The many people tried to stop. They tried to pers persecute Christians and kill them. But his words remained. And then I'm going to go to our next main point. What does Jesus want us to believe? Number three, the death brings us life. In John 3, 14 and 15, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life. Now, this verse is almost encrypted and is very hard to understand, but it does seem to indicate Jesus being lifted on the cross. But since I'm not 100% on the interpretation, I went with another verse in John that's a little bit clearer. This verse is in John 6, 51 through 57. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. 
Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, I live because the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. So this should sound familiar, eating flesh and drinking blood. At Heartland, we do this every Sunday service because we take Jesus at his word. We remain in him because we continue to eat his flesh and drink his blood. When we participate in communion, we are believing in the death and the resurrection of Christ. We are promised eternal life if we eat and drink, eat his flesh and drink his blood. We believe he died for our transgressions and our punishment was put on him. Through his death, we have forgiveness of sins. In closing, Jesus tells us if we want If we believe, we will receive eternal life. And Jesus tells us there are three things connected in the Gospel of John that we should believe. Believe in his name, his authority, and his kingship. Believe in his death that brought us life. And believe in the gospel. And the gospel according to Jesus is every word that he speaks because all of them came from his Father. But before we conclude the sermon, or the service, I would like to pray for you guys. Then I'm going to speak the Lord's blessing on you. And then we're going to have the worship band uh, come up. And when they come up and play that last song, you will have an opportunity to either pray on your own, or you could have the deacons and the elders pray for you up here. And James, it says... Is any among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just thank you. I thank you for your words that have lasted as you claimed forever. Heaven and earth will pass away and your words will last forever. So I just pray that you make us hungry to learn who you are and listen to your words and obey them. I pray that you would give us power to carry them out. I pray that you would help us believe in your authority and let us have uh, confidence and what you did on the cross, dying for our sins and removing them from us. In Jesus' name I pray.